0: Well, good morning. How are you guys? Good. for those of you who might be new, my name's Jason Coker. I'm the co-minister here at Oceanside Sanctuary. This is that time in our service when we're going to dismiss kids to their classes. But before we do that, I just wanna give a little bit of instruction. So if you have kids, the classes are through these double doors. Our teachers are gonna be standing over there in just a moment to help your kids head off. The way this normally works, or (laughs) that's actually not true, the way we're trying to do this is not how we're normally doing this uh, we've had a lot more kids lately so we've started to sign kids in again which is a process we did before the pandemic and then it all got disrupted so if you have not signed your kids in now is a great opportunity to go with them make sure they get checked in at the sign in desk if they've already been signed in that's great they can go ahead and head off to their classes if you want to accompany them to their classes so you know where they're going That's great too, but now is the time to send them off. And while the kids go off to their classes, kids, that's your cue. While the kids head off to their classes, we're gonna do something else a little different. We're gonna ask those of you who are introverts like me to stretch yourselves a little bit. Get up, stretch your legs. Go ahead, you can all get up, all of you. Get up and stretch your legs. While the kids head off to their classes, Turn and tell somebody that you don't know what your favorite food is. Make sure you tell them your name. you guys talk to each other. You're out of control. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So today we're going to wrap up our recent teaching series, which we have been calling Giving Up Toxic Jesus for Lent. What we've done is we've gone through various images of Jesus that I have proposed to you our toxic images of Jesus, where our fears tend to shape the way we see Jesus more than the way that scripture depicts Jesus. And so today we're gonna wrap that up with a look at Palm Sunday and how I think this narrative from Palm Sunday really challenges us to accept Jesus for his authentic self and really challenges us to ask if we're willing to accept Jesus for who Jesus really is. So before we jump into this, I just want to invite you to pray with me and uh, ask God to be with us as we approach this text. God, we thank you for today, for this amazing opportunity for us to gather, to get to know each other, to draw closer to a sense of what it means to be followers of Christ. We are grateful for a space where we can welcome all people in the way that you have made us so that we can really be our true, authentic selves here, and that the ways in which you have created us are good. And God, I ask that you give us the courage to return the favor, to accept you for who you really are, and to allow the moral vision of Christ and the moral vision of who you are as God to stretch and challenge and grow us as human beings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 21 tells the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is, of course, the culmination of Jesus' ministry up to this point. He's been roaming the countryside. He's been healing people who are sick. He's been feeding people who are hungry. He has been calling people who are outcast and marginalized to be the core of his community. And news about him has spread. This is at a time in Israel's history when they were hungry for a Messiah. In fact, there were prophetic words for hundreds of years promising that someday a Messiah would come and liberate God's people and vindicate God in front of the other nations. And so, of course, there was a great deal of anticipation for this Jesus of Nazareth. And as he enters into Jerusalem, during the Passover week, we read this, it says when he had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. And this took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees. And spread them on the road and the crowds that went ahead of him that followed were shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee what we see in this story, which feels very foreign to us, right? Like we're not residents of Jerusalem. We are not followers of Moses. The Jewish tradition is typically a bit strange to us. And then on top of that, of course, this is ancient. So we don't really understand a lot of the cultural nuance that's involved here, but what's happening essentially is that Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and being received as their potential Messiah. There were many claims to the Messiah made during Jesus' time. And this is, of course, a kind of counter-narrative to what would typically happen in Jerusalem at that time. Typically, whoever was ruling over Jerusalem at that time would enter in with a procession and would enter in on a horse representing the powers of whoever was ruling them at that time. In that time, of course, it was Rome. And so coming through the gate with a kind of procession, entering on a horse, which is the symbol of war, a ruler would be received. And it would be normal to proclaim, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the Lord, of course, being Caesar. Caesar was the Lord of that region, the Lord of the Jews, the Lord of the Israelites, which is a great wound to Israel at that time, because their only Lord, of course, was God. So there's this intense political conflict at the heart of this entry into Jerusalem by Jesus jesus does something interesting he very carefully and very intentionally sends his disciples to go get his steed the animal that he will enter into jerusalem on and instead of sending them to get a horse he sends them to get a donkey and not just a donkey but a colt a baby donkey and he says this is to fulfill the prophecy that says that your king will come as one who is humble now When a ruler enters Jerusalem, as a representative of Caesar, when a ruler enters Jerusalem on a horse that is a kind of vehicle of war, when that happens, that ruler is really doing two things. He's making a promise, and he's making a threat. And they're really the same thing. The promise is here i am i'm your ruler i'm powerful i'm strong and i will conquer all of our enemies i will take care of you i will protect you as long as you're loyal to me and there's the threat because that same strength that will conquer our enemies is also the strength that keeps you in line If you don't do what I say, if you don't come under my authority, then there is violence that awaits you. And if you've been paying attention for the past four or five weeks, you know that I have essentially been saying that our toxic images of Jesus look just like that. The toxic images of Jesus essentially cast Jesus as somebody who carries a sword. Somebody who promises protection, but in that promise of protection is also a threat. And of course, we tend to like rulers like this when we are afraid. We think that the world is a place that threatens us when we are afraid of people who are different than we are. When we think that the world needs to be whipped into shape, we tend to like rulers and presidents and kings and priests who wield a sword. This is what I mean when I say that our toxic images of Jesus tend to be a projection of our own fears. When a group of people, a population, a nation, an ethnic group are afraid, they look for strong men of violence to lead them. But Jesus does the opposite. He doesn't enter Jerusalem on a horse. He enters Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, essentially saying that he has nothing to do with violence. Jesus instead is a person not of violence, a person not of threat, but a person of peace. Now, when I say that Jesus is coming in the name of peace, I don't mean to say that Jesus is passive. Sometimes when we say that Jesus was a peacemaker or that Jesus was, to quote scripture, the prince of peace, we think of peace and peacemaking as passive. But Jesus is not passive. In the very next passage in Matthew 21, Jesus enters the temple and flips over the tables of the money changers who are exploiting the poor and using religion to do it. Jesus is not passive. It also doesn't mean being non-confrontational. Being a peacemaker does not mean that you don't call out what's wrong. Jesus calls the hypocrites in Matthew chapter 23, whitewashed tombs. He says, those who say what's right, but don't do what's right, are like people who look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of corpses. They're full of death. That's terribly confrontational. Next time you want to insult somebody, call them a whitewashed tomb and see how kindly they take it. Being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you don't confront what's wrong. Being a peacemaker also doesn't mean being non-political. It's ironic to me that very often in the Christian tradition, we don't want Jesus to be political, but we're happy for him to hold a gun. Jesus is deeply political. In John chapter five, Jesus heals on the Sabbath. And this perhaps is the most political thing that Jesus does in his ministry, which is saying a lot because Jesus also ate with those who were outcasts and sinners, which is also a political act to include those who have been excluded, to love those who have been vilified, is to take a stand on politics. But to heal on the Sabbath is to make a statement that sometimes good rules and laws can be used to oppress. And that is as political as it gets. And that is, of course, much of what people struggle with In religion today, the idea that something that was intended for good, something that was supposed to be a high moral vision is often used to oppress and harm and hurt other people, especially those who are marginalized. So being a peacemaker doesn't mean that Jesus is not political. It definitely means Jesus is not a Republican. It also means Jesus is not a Democrat. But that does not mean that Jesus is somewhere in the milk toast middle. Jesus is far more radical than the middling politics of America. Jesus's politics stand for something that none of us are comfortable with, the idea that God's moral authority does not come from violence. Let me say that again. Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey makes the statement that God's moral authority God's ability to say what is good and right and true and our ability to find goodness in it does not depend on threats of violence or acts of violence. God's moral authority comes from grace. And by grace, I know many of us are conditioned to believe that the word grace means forgiveness. Like, even though you are completely screwed up, God forgives you, and that's grace. And certainly grace includes forgiveness, the willingness to offer people forgiveness for their mistakes. But grace means so much more than forgiveness. It means the gift of goodness. God's moral authority does not come from God's willingness to threaten you. God's moral authority comes from God's ability to give you good things. And in the life and ministry of Jesus, that looked very tangible, very political, and oftentimes very confrontational, because Jesus gave food to those who were hungry. That is a gift of grace. Jesus healed people who were sick. That is a gift of grace. Jesus offered community to those who were excluded and marginalized and outcast and oppressed, and that is a gift of grace. This is the authentic Jesus. This is who Jesus is. I think the challenge for us is, are we willing to follow this kind of Jesus? We will be called, if we follow this gracious Jesus, we will be called to turn some tables. We will be called to confront those who twist what is good in order to hurt and wound others. We will be called, we have been called to build a community from amongst those who have been outcast and oppressed, and marginalized, and vilified, that is what it means to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for today and for this opportunity for us to be challenged by a vision of who you are. We pray that as we continue our worship this morning that you would challenge us to grow, to be more like you, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thank you, Joey. Um, Hi everybody, my name is Tindo, and I am an out and proud intersex and trans member of this congregation. I've only been coming here for just shy of a year, and what a transforming year it has been. Um, I'm so thankful to be here today uh, with Mark Lim leading us in communion. One of my first memories of Mark was him leading a small group's um, a support group not far from here, the North County LGBT Center, was just right up here on Coast Highway, and he led a group called um, Come As You Are, and how perfectly fitting that someone with Mark's incredible talents would lead us in communion to come as we all are, as we are, where we are, in life and um so i just um, i'm so thankful for mark and his transforming ministry that he shared with us today uh we have some announcements um to share with you and forgive my nervousness i always get a little nervous before a group um there are many ways to get involved at oceanside sanctuary and uh, first things we want to let you know we have a Good Friday service coming up this Friday, as the name implies, uh, Friday at six thirty. 30. Uh, please join us for a solemn service that reflects on the reality of the cross from the crucifixion's sorrow uh, to the res- resurrection's hope. You'll experience a range of emotions that will deepen your faith and bring you closer to God. That will be followed by Easter Sunday um, at 10 a.m., regular time. Please join us for a joyful and inspiring service. After service, we'll continue the celebration outside. We have something for everyone to enjoy. Your kids will love the Easter piñata and homemade popsicles, while the adults can indulge in, indul- in delicious donuts and coffee. Let's hear it for donuts and coffee to my all my fellow donkeys out there. <laughs> That's me. Where are my donkeys here today? Um, And then today, carrying on after fellowship, we do have a a, a post-TDOV service uh, fellowship. We have some delicious um, carrot cake muffins from Costco. No, it's not the viral peanut butter chocolate pie you're going to have to wait for that for another time, maybe during Pride season ahead, so. But we uh, please come for fellowship and um, share more about your stories. And if you'd like to know more about um, TDOV or how it's relevant to us as a church, why do we include TDOV as part of our, our, our congregation and discipleship, um, there's that opportunity as well. So that's the Transgender uh, Day of Event, which is organized through the North County Center And it's over by um, the the Mission San Luis Rey. It's about a 15 minute drive from here. They'll be there till about three o'clock today. Um, It's a great way to show support at this time as we just did as a congregation, standing in solidarity and love and compassion. And then lastly, as Pastor Jason uh, mentioned and Nicole wanted me to mention, the children's ministry is, is getting larger. We have wonderfully more families and kids joining us. Um, they're recommending that you please get registered in advance so that your kids are in the on the roster and ready to go. And um, lastly, there's other ways to get involved. Um, you can do the Q-code scan, you can go on the website, or just to let you know that there's the children's ministry, food pantry on Mondays, uh, book club is coming up, and small groups are ongoing right now and they're fantastic. My group is on Fridays and we just it's it's a great way for you to be more visible to share more of your story and so um, lots going on there and how you can support our mission Oceanside Sanctuary is a 501c3 so we rely on your gifts and donations and the donations of your time and service to the community so If you'd like to support the mission, please consider giving a gift today or on the website and you can check the QR code. So um, lastly, as we leave today and hopefully go to fellowship and join in some time together, um, I just want us all to remember that may the transforming peace of God be with you all. Thank you very much. God bless. Sorry, I'm a little nervous and jittery today. God bless you. Let's go have some fellowship, my fellow donkeys.